Hello, and welcome to episode 51 of the Vegan Business Tribe podcast with myself, David Pennell, co-founder of Vegan Business Tribe. And if you have a vegan business or you're just thinking about starting one, then Vegan Business Tribe is here to support you, to inspire you, not just to build a vegan business, but to build a successful vegan business. And last week was our 50th episode. So we had a little bit of a one-year birthday party with three other vegan podcasting legends to celebrate. And if you've got any interest at all in perhaps launching your own podcast, then go back and listen to episode 50 for all our podcasting tips. But this episode, I'm back here in our little studio, and I have to admit that it's been a little bit manic for this last few weeks at Vegan Business Drive. September brought a record month of new members to join our growing tribe, and we're not sure if that's just, you know, the kids going back to school. So people now have a little bit more time to concentrate on their businesses or if more people are just wanting to get serious about growing their vegan businesses before Christmas. But our networking meetups, they have been packed out and mine and Lisa's schedule of one-to-ones to meet our new members, it has been absolutely manic. So on Wednesday, we had our first new member one-to-one of the day at 8am in the morning, and we went right through to 9pm at night. And when we tell people this, they say, you must be shattered by the end. But I'll tell you what, our new member one-to-ones day, it's my favourite day day of the week because we get to meet so many amazing people just like you. They are all wonderful, ethical vegans on the same mission as we are and just being able to help them out or give feedback on their plans or connect them with other Vegan Business Tribe members that will be able to help and support them. That just leaves us buzzing by the end of the day. And we also take a selfie when we have a one-to-one. And if you go to the Vegan Business Tribe website, then in the About section is a link to our selfie wall where you'll be able to see them all. So, If you have been sitting on the fence about joining us at Vegan Business Tribe, right now is a really good time with all the new members and activity that's going on. Just go to veganbusinesstribe.com, click on the big join button on the homepage, and maybe we can get you on that selfie wall also. Another reason why it's been so busy is because I spent last week at the Plant-Based World Conference in London, and it's great to see this kind of event back on again in the real world. And I have to admit that because of the pandemic and everything else that's been going on in the world, I've not been to an actual in-person conference Gosh, for probably two years. And I'm someone who used to spend a lot of time at events and conferences. But it was so great to be back in a venue with everybody else from the plant-based industry and just to be able to catch up with so many innovative change makers. Now, speaking at the conference was Heather Mills, who is a vegan campaigner, athlete and founder of V-Bytes. There was Derek Sarno, who is the co-founder of Wicked and head of plant-based at Tesco Supermarkets. There was Louisiana Waring, who is the senior insight and policy officer at the Vegan Society. And many, many more people are 
and brands who are leading the plant-based conversation. But I have to admit that the term plant-based, that was the right name for the conference. And something that became quickly apparent was that the majority of companies and visitors at the plant-based world conference, they were not vegan. And I know this because when Heather Mills started her keynote speech, the first thing she asked was for a show of hands of who in the audience would describe themselves as vegan. And I was very much in the minority when I put my hand up. And I would guess that maybe 20% of the audience identified as being vegan. And that surprised me at first. But then it didn't once I thought about it for a few more moments because you will have heard me say lots of times on this podcast that the biggest markets for vegan products are the non-vegans. We know that more than 90% of vegan food is eaten by people who do not follow a vegan diet. The majority of cruelty-free cosmetics, they're bought by people who don't identify as vegan. And that was very obvious at this conference. Now, this was an industry business conference. So it was a place to bring the buyers from the supermarkets and the retailers face-to-face with the most exciting plant-based brands of the moment moment. But in the majority of those conversations, neither the buyer from the retailer or the person from the company making this plant-based product were vegan themselves. And that one observation pretty much gives you a snapshot of where the vegan consumer market is at the moment. And it explains why, when only 3-5% to of a population identify as vegan, big companies are falling over themselves to bring out new vegan products. The potential number of customers for vegan products right now, it is huge because it's the mainstream consumer who is buying them. There were some notable exceptions, however, and it was great to meet Matthew Glover, who is a serial entrepreneur and the co-founder of Veganuary. And he's now joined forces with chef Adam Lyons to launch Vegan Fried Chicken, or VFC. And VFC, they are tearing up the rulebook at the moment. And they had one of the most impressive presences at the show. And they've launched a company that really embraces the animal activism message and they're wholly and unapologetically vegan in their marketing even though they know that their average consumer won't be vegan themselves and there were plenty of other amazing vegans there over the weekend but a lot of them they were running the smaller businesses they were the people looking to make their first deals or to find people to help them scale up and this is why the work that people like matthew glover with his vegan investment company veg capital and claire smith with the work she's doing with beyond animal it's why it's so important because these are the people looking to change the marketplace for one primary reason to end the suffering of animals, not just to make money from a consumer trend. And I think this was highlighted the most when some of the big brands like Nestle took to the stage to talk about what they're doing in plant-based. Now, 
regardless of your opinions on these mega brands, they are responsible for a huge proportion of the food that people eat. And we know that if we're going to change the system, then we have to work with the system that we've got. But their presentation detailing their move into plant-based, it was very much based on an unsustainable food system, rather than any mention of animal welfare. In fact, their opening slides at the conference, they detailed the amount of land that was needed to feed a growing population through the agriculture of animals and how that space simply doesn't exist. And that means that big companies like theirs need to start looking at alternatives. Now, as a vegan watching this presentation, I did have to sit on my hands and just bite my tongue a little bit because I was almost tempted to put my hand up and ask if there was a planet B where we could just farm and kill animals without running out of space, then would you back that? But I think that question would have likely gotten me removed by security and definitely made us no friends at Nestle because they are making a change and a big one too. They are helping a huge part of the public to eat more plant-based meals. But for as long as that change is just being driven by a consumer trend and not an ethical decision, that change won't be absolute. In fact, the presenters from Nestle, they were very open about this. In part of a talk, they said that their goal was not to eliminate meat, and they believe that meat and dairy played a really important part in the food supply chain. And this is where the ethics of veganism and the realities of how far we've still got to go, they're highlighted. And especially for what I call professional vegans like myself, it's easy to think that because we can now order a plant-based burger from nearly all the high street restaurant chains, or because we can get oat or soy milk in our coffee at coffee shops these days, and our local supermarket, they've got a whole vegan chiller cabinet, we think that we've won. And it seems like we have come such a long way in a relatively short time. But the landscape we're seeing for vegan products at the moment, that's only come about because of the work that dedicated people like the people at the Vegan Society and like Heather Mills working behind the scenes. It's only because of the work that they've done. And what this has done is to create an environment where companies like Nestle can bring out a plant-based option and know they'll find a market for it. People in the main no longer pull a disgusted face at the idea of a vegan burger or a vegan sausage roll. But as long as these companies are being driven by a consumer trend and not the desire to end the breeding and killing of intelligent beings for food, then we're always going to be restricted to that single chiller cabinet in the supermarket and that single vegan option at the burger joint. Yes, the vegan aisle, it might get bigger and we might get more options in that chiller cabinet. But these mainstream companies, they're still making the majority of their money from animal products. So even though they're bringing out plant-based options, they're still going to fight to protect their main categories. And that is why the work that people like Matthew Glover does with the companies in his veg capital portfolio is so important. It's why the work that Heather Mills has done to create wholly vegan factories and manufacturing facilities is so needed.
But we need hundreds or even thousands more ethical vegan brands and entrepreneurs to step up behind them too. And I'd like to think that we've got some of those people as members of Vegan Business Tribe and listening to this podcast too. And this leads me to a reoccurring theme that kept coming up in the conference discussions, that plant-based, it would never truly become the normal until we saw price parity. So until plant-based food is the same price as animal products, vegan is still seen as expensive. But it was actually Derek Sarno, who is the co-founder of the Wicked Health and Wicked Kitchen brands, as well as now being the head of plant-based at Tesco, who put it the most succinctly. We shouldn't be asking if plant-based food is too expensive. We should be asking, is meat too cheap? Because meat and dairy production, it's massively subsidised by governments around the world. Billions of dollars are paid to farms and meat producers to keep the cost of meat artificially low. So, isn't it time to put pressure on these governments to move where those subsidies are going to? Well, that wasn't a conversation for this conference. And I know because I did put my hand up and ask that question. But it wasn't an idea that the non-vegan food manufacturers on stage were keen to put their weight behind. But after all, this is vegan business tribe. So you and me, we're always going to view some of these discussions through the vegan business lens. But as an event that brought together the people who are making big moves in plant-based, whatever side of the fence those companies and buyers are on at the moment, the show was a big success. And a shout out to the events team, especially Abigail Stevens, their head of marketing, and the most wonderful ethical vegan you could ever hope to meet. In fact, I could have done with it being a day longer because I spent most of my time in the conference hall listening to the speakers and didn't have a lot of time to get out on the floor to talk to the exhibitors and other visitors. But there was a lot of both knowledge and contacts to pick up. And it is genuinely great to see so many companies investing in so many really good vegan products. So what did I take away from the plant-based world conference, apart from meeting so many great people? Well, I already mentioned that Heather Mills opened the conference with her keynote speech. And if you're a vegan entrepreneur, you can learn so much from Heather and how she's approached the marketplace. In fact, she's openly targeting flexitarians and not vegans with all the products that her vegan factories produce. She talked about how vegans will find you even if you don't lead with veganism. They will hunt your products down. But the people who you can make a real difference with is those who are not vegan yet. That's why Heather's company, V-Bytes, focuses on creating these like-for-like products that make it easy for non-vegans to try plant-based. In fact, that's what they did with Applewood Vegan Cheese. And what a lot of people don't know is that Applewood Vegan Cheese is actually made and was developed not by Applewood, but by Heather Mills's company. Heather believed that her team could produce a vegan cheese that replicated Applewood's core range, but without using dairy. And once they developed this recipe, they then approached Applewood and offered to manufacture a vegan version of their cheese. Now, what they didn't 
quite appreciate is how anti-vegan the decision makers and stakeholders were at Applewood at that time. After all, they are a dairy company. And this led Applewood to actually sit on the idea of a vegan cheese for a number of years. But when Heather and V-Bites did eventually convince Applewood to place an order for a supermarket rollout of the cheese, Applewood only ordered a fraction of what Heather estimated they would sell. And we all know what that led to. Applewood Smoky Vegan Cheese launching across the UK and almost immediately selling out. There was a time when vegan Facebook groups, it were full of people telling each other which shops currently had Applewood in stock so that people could try this new amazing vegan cheese that actually melts. Now, this vegan version of a cheese, it makes up 20% of Applewood's turnover. And if you're a manufacturer or a food scientist, you can do the same. You can find a company that have a really good selling animal-based product and offer to match it for them with a vegan product which you have developed and you will make under a private label. Perhaps you've developed an amazing vegan pork pie. Instead of trying to build your own brand, why not take it to an existing pork pie company and offer to produce it under their brand for them as a vegan option? And that was Heather's big message. If you want to convert people to vegan food, then you don't talk about the animals. You don't talk about the environment. You just feed them. Find out what food people love and go out and match it with a plant-based version. And this has worked for V-Bites, who now manufacture over 100 products across all their ranges. And even though at this conference, Heather knew that she was in a room mainly full of non-vegan buyers for non-vegan retailers, she still had a lot of advice for those looking to start a vegan business. For example, if you have a vegan company making a vegan product, then go reach out to other vegan companies making similar or even the same products and see how you can help each other out. And I know... This sounds so counterintuitive. If you're in competition with another company, why would they want to work with you? But if you club together and even just place joint orders for your ingredients, then you might be able to buy them at better prices than you can on your own. Maybe you can share costs and facilities and production lines or even take on each other's products under your own brand to extend your range and reach. As vegan companies, we're open to ideas like this because we're all on the same mission and we're all stronger working together. Another session where I really filled my notebook was a discussion on the future of plant-based on grocery shelves. And this was hosted by Stephanie Jaxniakowska-McGear, the head of food industry and retail at ProVeg International. And Stephanie was joined on stage by Derek Sarno, head of plant-based at Tesco Supermarkets that I've already talked about, and John Gill, the head of marketing and trading at Booth's Supermarket. Now, what made this discussion so interesting was here you have two buyers from two supermarkets, but Derek is vegan and John 
isn't, which means we really got to see both sides of what buyers are looking for. And you might not have heard of Booth's Supermarket. They've got about 30 supermarkets across the north of England, which are mainly popular with the higher end of the market, a bit like a northern Waitrose. And I know that that comparison will mean nothing to you if you're listening outside of the UK. But John said that by far, plant-based was the most talked about category in their supermarkets. Every time they have a new product launch, the emails start to roll in asking if they're going to do a vegan version. And they take notice of this, which is why they're looking out for so many new vegan products at the moment. They are wanting people to come and pitch to them. But not just with the obvious burgers and snacks. They've already got all those. What they want are those other like-for-like products that Heather Mills was talking about. They want a vegan pork pie. They want a vegan pasty. Both absolutely staple foods here in the UK. And there is a demand for a vegan option for every single animal-based product that they currently have. And from Booth's latest customer research into this, they know that their average customer is over 50 and female, and they're not necessarily looking for plant-based products for themselves. They live in mixed diet households, but this one person, they will be doing the family shopping for everyone. And in that family, some will eat meat. Some may be vegetarian and some might be vegan. So they're looking for the like-for-like products that they know everyone will be happy to eat. And at the top of their own customer survey into the reasons why their customers were buying plant-based was because of their own health. They knew that there were huge benefits, not just to them, but to the other people in their family in cutting down the amount of meat and dairy that they consume. And just to look at this through my business glasses for a moment, there are two big things that you can take away from this. First, these customers don't necessarily know what makes a product vegan because they're not vegan themselves. So they're looking for real clear labeling, telling them that a product is suitable for vegans. Even though they're not vegan themselves, and even if you're not leading with a vegan message. And second, is if you can make a product that is inclusive for everyone. So if you've got a product and it's vegan, kosher, organic, halal, and even gluten-free, then that single purchase can be made and given to everybody in that family group. What was also interesting was Derek Sarno from Tesco's explaining the supermarket strategy on where they're placing their vegan products in store. Derek started this conversation within Tesco's by simply asking, is our average customer vegan? And the answer was no. So would that person walk down a vegan aisle? Again, probably not. So if you want to get someone to try this new product that you're trying to sell more of, then why hide it in the one place where most of the customers don't go? And it's interesting that it took bringing in a very high-profile vegan like Derek as head of plant-based to start a conversation about including vegan food in the meat chillers. But it's working. Tesco moving where they display their plant-based food is driving more sales of these plant-based versions. 
And Derek, he has had his work cut out for him at Tesco's. I'm sure it wasn't actually an easy position to take. But that was one of the questions that the audience asked. How did Derek convince people, including the decision makers at the supermarket, to try vegan food themselves? And his answer was very simply to cook for them. Derek is originally a chef after all, and he said that no number of presentations or PowerPoints will match simply cooking up a product and serving it to people. And one of the common responses he's got when he's been trying to pitch a new product to a decision maker is them saying back, well, if I could eat like this all the time, then I'd go vegan. And that's a big takeaway for all of us that make any type of product. Simply get your product into people's hands. Get people to try it. And I've heard this also from Tom of Miami Burger about how he got into the big supermarkets. They simply brought a chef with them to the initial meeting and had the chef cooking up the burgers while they talked. But what was also interesting was Derek and John's responses to what they thought was currently missing from the shelves in their supermarkets. Derek was very confident that we would start to see cell-cultured meat on the shelves within five years, so animal meat that has been grown in a lab. John said that cheese, and specifically speciality cheeses like blue cheese, that that was a real area for growth that they were looking into, as were plant-based alternatives to fish and seafood. But looking further into the future, there was also the conversation about bringing the vegetable to centre plate. So instead of trying to replicate an animal product, companies are looking to make something new with a vegetable as the main meal and not the side or an alternative. And I think on this last point that they're right. And I think this is something that we're going to see more of in the future. Because as somebody moves along their own personal plant-based journey, they might not want to keep eating food that replicates meat. And somebody who started off eating Beyond Burgers, they might move to more obviously plant-based brands like Gosh. Or someone who is initially happy to pick up the plant-based burger from their fast food chain when they first go vegan, they might not be happy to even put a foot in the door of that establishment six months later. And I think perhaps one of the highlights of the conference was Derek Sarno challenging John from Booths to take on the Veganuary Challenge with him in a couple of months' time to a large round of applause from the vegans in the audience and a promise from Derek that he'd cook something up amazing for John if he did it. And I actually tweeted about John accepting the challenge and Booths Supermarket social media team said that they would definitely hold him to it. Another highlight was a panel discussion titled Leading Plant-Based Solutions and Innovation, and that was hosted by Louisiana Waring from the Vegan Society. And Louisiana was joined by the founders of a number of companies on the stage, including Hannah Carter, who is the founder of OGS, and the managing directors of Meatless Farms and Love Satan, and the strategy officer of Finbrog Artisan, the company behind the naked brand of meat replacement products. And again, this conversation 
conversation about where a product should be in the supermarket came up, with Steve from Love Satan saying that one supermarket that uses their pepperoni on their own label pizzas, they started doubling their orders pretty much overnight. And when he called them to find out what was causing the raise in demand, it was simply because they'd moved that pizza out of a plant-based chiller and put it into the main section with all their other pizzas. And it pretty much doubled its sales overnight. In fact, Michael Hunter from Meatless Farm said he was petitioning to get the meat aisle renamed to the protein aisle because it would normalise getting protein from plants instead of animals. And that's one idea that I have to say I am wholly behind. Now, as I said, I didn't get anywhere near enough time on the expo floor to go around and talk to all the brands and companies that had stands there. But it was great to see so many companies doing really innovative stuff. Things like Loma Linda Tuno, which is a plant-based alternative to canned tuna, and Hope and Sesame, who won for the best company name, and they're making sesame milk from the waste that is left over after companies make tahini. And although it was mainly food companies who had taken the big stands at the expo, having all these companies active in the vegan marketplace, it has led to a whole range of support services growing around them. And you will know that if you're a member of Vegan Business Tribe, we've got everything from vegan website design companies through to vegan accountants these days. But it was great to meet people like app developers just wandering around the show and fitness coaches and even ethical recruitment firms like Citizen Kind, all stepping up to support the vegan and plant-based sector. And unfortunately, I just missed catching up with Vegan Business Tribe member Mark Bowden from the Vegan IT Company. But I knew he'd been there because a couple of exhibitors were asking me about his Vegan IT Company, having spoken with Mark earlier in the day. So, all in all, it was both heartening to see all this activity around our sector, but at the same time, a little frustrating as well to not see more vegan-founded and ethically-led companies taking the lead. What Matthew Glover is doing with VFC and what Heather Mills is doing with V-Bytes, it's truly amazing. And I would urge you to follow and watch their journeys. Listen to interviews with them. Try their products. Go and look at how they are marketing and positioning themselves and aim to follow in their footsteps. Because if you can create just 10% of the impact that they have created, then it won't be long at all before vegan and plant-based truly starts to replace animal-based products on the shelves instead of us being restricted to just that single section in the supermarket or being marketed as a trendy alternative. And look out for future events like this expo yourself, especially if there's a conference side to the event where you can go and listen to these people speak. Even if you're not in the food and drink industries, it's important to know what's happening in the vegan sector and to make connections with other people who are on the same mission as you are. You don't need to become the next V-Bytes or multi-million pound companies to make a difference, although some of you might do. 
But just having the aspirations to double or triple the size of your current vegan business, that will really help make a difference in moving the vegan cause forwards. And that's what we're helping you to do at Vegan Business Tribe. You will learn so much from studying how these companies scaled up, how they brought their mission to the heart of what they do and where they know the industry is going next. If you do have your own vegan company, then you'd need to become a student of others who have succeeded in this sector. Or... You could just leave it to me to go to these events and report back so that you don't have to. Either way, I was happy because I left with a bag full of samples and freebies to take back to Lisa. And I have to admit that the Oggs cakes, they nearly didn't make it all the way home. But I'd already told Lisa that I was bringing some Oggs cakes back with me and I would have been in huge trouble if I'd have just scoffed them on the train. So that's pretty much it for the roundup and for this episode. And as always, it just leaves me to thank you for listening. And if you did find this roundup useful, and if you found it interesting, and if you really love what we're doing at Vegan Business Tribe, then you can support us in lots of different ways. You can simply share this podcast. So post it on your own social media or in your own Vegan Business Facebook group. You can subscribe or leave a five-star review if the podcast platform you're listening on lets you do that. And these reviews especially, they really help us work our way up on the charts, especially on platforms like iTunes. Or if you want to go beyond this podcast and properly get involved with us at Vegan Business Tribe, then we have got the most amazing community of vegan businesses over on veganbusinesstribe.com. And you can join for the equivalent of what you would spend if you bought a cup of coffee a week from your local coffee shop. And then that gives you access to our community as well as our online courses and collections to help you get serious with your vegan business. You also get access to all our online events, our business clinics and our networking meetups. And it also gets you a welcome one-to-one on Zoom with Lisa and myself just so that we can see how we can help you or to signpost with your own vegan business. And finally... If you really want to help support our mission, you can also join us as a patron. And our patrons are members who pay a little bit more every month, which means that we can keep putting out this podcast every week, keep helping all these amazing vegan businesses to grow, and just keep championing the vegan business scene worldwide. So, just head over to the Vegan Business Tribe website, click on the huge join button on the homepage, and you'll see everything that you get as a member and all the ways that you can support us. So, thank you for listening. Lisa and I, we really do appreciate you giving up your time to listen and to learn with us. So, let's go set the world alight with our vegan businesses. And I will see you on the next one.